Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to episode 404 of Geek Tower Radio. I'm your host, Dave, and with me this week is... To infinity and beyond! Matt, how are you doing? I'm good, David, how are you? I'm doing well. So, what have you been up to this week? Well, I fell a little bit behind, actually, with Welcome to Wrexham, so I decided to get caught up. I think the finale, actually, is on Wednesday. I saw a little thing on there as well, so we'll see how that goes, which is good. Uh, I've got up to the Ben Foster episode. That was the newest one that I saw, um, yes. which was which was good. Um, I can't remember if I knew before, because I've seen bits of his... He's got this podcast he did after he uh, initially retired, which was cool. And I wasn't aware that he actually started out at Wrexham, which was good as like a full circle kind of moment, I suppose, because he's has now retired again as right, well. Yeah. Uh, of course, he used to play for Manchester United, which was good. Um, <laughs> I remember some of those years. I can't remember exactly where and what was what was sort of going on with that. But of course, you have your goalkeepers for quite a long time, usually. So yeah, uh, the team continues to do really well. It's good that they were focusing for, a couple, for an episode or two on uh, the women's team and seeing the different kind of things going on over there. So that was good. But there was an interesting comment. I think it was the bartender or somebody made in the episode and said, like, look, we're flying through this league and said, like, OK, what level do you think you're actually at? And they said League One because you've got Premier League, Champions League, League One, League Two and then the National League. Mm-hmm. I don't think it maybe handle something like the championship. The championship's been known to be quite physical, although all of English football kind of is quite physical anyway. That would be about the level I would say that they're at, maybe like a mid-table-ish or a championship team which would mm-hmm. be which would be good um, yeah. it's interesting that they did show the Ben Foster thing because um, somebody runs United Stand called Mark Goldbridge who I've watched a fair bit of he said he thinks that Wrexham are going to win something serious before Tottenham do Tottenham of course in the Premier League at the moment um, <laughs> which is an interesting kind of take I kind of agreed with that Tottenham haven't won anything in a I, I don't know what the last time actually was it's, it's been a while but aside from that they're being run very well which is the main kind of thing like as good as your team can kind of be in stuff it depends on how well you run and when you've got Ryan and Rob running the club and it's going pretty well that's quite a good start so uh, are you caught up on Wrexham? Yeah yeah I've been watching it as it goes out weekly I really really enjoy that show which given I have very little interest in football it's surprising how much I've got into that it's been really enjoyable and I like the way that they don't just focus on the football itself it's all about the town the fans stuff going on around the club it's not just about whether they'll get promoted or not. It's a really big highlight thing for Wrexham. And it's interesting to see episodes where they've had people flying in from America, from Japan, from, you know, fans Mm. that have caught the show on Disney Plus have then become fans of Wrexham and they've got fans around the world, which is really odd for this like little low level team. You know, you expect it for people like Manchester United, but for a little low level team, they're way sort of punching above their weight, really, which is awesome because that brings in revenue for them and that's something that they desperately need. I'm always rooting for them and we know how they resolved this season has obviously been out there because it was last season in the football yeah, terms. we're into next season now. So. so, yeah. But I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. I mean, I'm sure they'll be making more seasons of this moving forward. So, uh, I don't know whether they've officially renewed it or not. I, I'm not sure, but I'm sure they will be making more of it. So, mm. it's been great, but I'm looking forward to seeing more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the other thing I've been watching other than what 
you've also been watching. I mentioned now and again that I put friends on when I'm basically in the kitchen. If yeah. I'm like making food, making a drink, something that will take a couple of minutes, I stick friends on, which a lot of people do do that. Like if they're doing house chores or, you know, that, yeah. that it's that kind of show that people really like to put on in the background. Comfort TV. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Uh, of course, we had the unfortunate passing of Matthew Perry recently, Chandler, who's very, very iconically known in that role. It was uh, quite sad and quite sudden. He's just outstanding as Chandler. He's known for his kind of one-liners and stuff. In terms of the other characters, now that I'm <laughs> going through it, I'm actually not paying attention to what season or episode I'm on. I'm just kind of letting them play one after the other. But I think I'm on about season five. Ross is definitely the worst character. <laughs> I, know, I know I've kind of mentioned that before. Yeah. Because you usually get the classic Janice scene. She pops up. She she says, oh my God, or she does her classic laugh and that's known as being like iconically kind of irritating. Yes. But you've got a ratio difference there where she's not in the show as much as what Ross is. Ross's main problem though is he is very controlling. Yeah. But then you've got it balanced out with like Jerry's really fun and Chandler and I think particularly their friendship between them two really stands up. I think Chandler and Monica are the best couple in the show. In fact, I don't really, I know the whole Ross-Rachel thing, I know it's got like the more history to it and they, they liked each other when they were or he liked her when they were really young and stuff but that yeah. never quite stuck to me uh phoebe's really quite fun as well so it's just snappy it's well paced it's fun and it is just really brilliant so when was the last time you kind of watched it i mean i've caught the odd episode here and there and it is one of those shows that like you say it's kind of comfort tv at this point if an episode happens to be on i'll sometimes kind of catch it and end up watching it to the end but i haven't actually sat down and kind of gone through it because you know i know a lot of the episodes really well anyway I like everybody was really upset to hear of the death of Matthew Perry they have actually released his death certificate now having done an autopsy and I mean it's still deemed inconclusive from that but there were no illegal drugs or anything like that in his system it is one of those horrible tragedies that you do wonder whether his past caught up with him in terms of he had a long history of drug and alcohol abuse and whilst there's no sign that he was actually abusing them at that point you do wonder if maybe the previous damage that it had done possibly contributed to it. It's absolutely tragic. It seems like he was a really decent human being that had his own demon. Addiction is a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah, yeah. And it can take a lot to battle through it. And it seems, you know, from everybody around him said that he seemed to have been doing really well at the time. Whether it, it was just his heart gave out or something, I don't know. But I really feel for his, not only his family, but also, I mean, the friends cast as well, because it is like losing a, not only a friend, but a family member, I think, to them. Yeah, yeah. When you bond for that amount of time, because 10 years is no short amount of time, and you're on set regularly and probably see each other outside of that and stuff, it's very difficult. Um, um, there seemed to be a really big outpouring of, uh, I saw loads of Instagram posts and Facebook and all, yeah. all kinds of stuff. So he was well loved. He was all loved, which is yeah. the uh, the important thing. So yeah, that's what I've been up to apart from the things on your list. So uh, yeah. Well, yeah, we had a few finales actually this week. Mm -hmm. Loki came to its end. It's looking like that is pretty much it for Loki. Uh, there certainly doesn't seem to be any more TV series, but from what he's been saying in interviews, it sounds like he's basically done with the character for now which sort of makes sense given where the show ends it wouldn't surprise me if he pops up in one of the upcoming movies in the finales at some point if they kind of bring him back in but it does sound like this is sort of an end point I mean I thought that second season was brilliant and I liked how they sort of finished it I think they introduced some wonderful characters it's a shame that we aren't going to see more of them but I think it is a complete story over that two seasons and that's sounded like what they sort of set out to do hopefully we will see more of tom hiddleston moving forward in that role because i think everybody loves him as loki even though i mean this version of loki now is a dramatically changed character from the one that we were originally introduced to but who knows what we'll see moving forward i thought it's one of the best things the mcu have put out in a very long while i agree with your point about like where he is and what that means for the character but surely he would be in secret wars and because like that's going to be a Think. That's going to be like the next big, big event. And if given the position that he's finished in as well, I would be absolutely shocked if he's not involved. Because Loki, even outside of that particular thing, Loki's a massive, massive character. So, uh, no, I, th I thought it was really brilliant. Again, really great in terms of, like you said, the character development from where you start to where you finish, which is the whole point of doing that. <laughs> 
Um, I thought a lot of the characters were really great. I thought in terms of the timey-wimey aspect, which can be, especially when you get into multiverses and stuff, which I know we've been doing more of that recently in uh, not just the comic book genre, but other stuff. Obviously, you've got crazy things like everything everywhere all at once, which I need to go back and watch properly because I clearly missed like, I, I watched that for about half an hour and it just didn't quite click, but everyone's given it like incredible praise. It's, so, it um, is bonkers, but yes, I, yeah, you should yeah. go back and watch that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot more bonkers. Than what, than what this is this is kind of just trying to follow the mechanics of what's kind of going on and with the time is it time splitting time shifting that Loki was doing trying to like to, uh, time to that. slipping I think slipping, going to it, do, yeah. yes and, yeah. And, yeah one of those words yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was really cool to see um, and it, yeah it'd just be interesting to see yeah I guess where they use Loki and how and all those kind of things but yeah it, it definitely doesn't seem like there's going to be because I don't know what you'd even do for a third season it wouldn't quite be called Loki yeah but no, I thought it was really, really good. And yeah, again, in terms of not necessarily shorter episodes, but shorter seasons, sometimes you just don't need longer seasons. I did see, again, some comments of like, oh, it's only six episodes and stuff. What would you possibly do for the next episode? Well, yeah, like, I mean, maybe there is some more stuff you could have put in before ending at that point. But I, right, I think it right. was well constructed and yeah. it worked over, over six episodes. Or, I mean, arguably, was it six episodes in the first season as well? I can't remember, but 12 episodes in total. It works they told a really good well-constructed story with that and uh, i do think it's one of the best things they've put out it's mm. a really solid the story. choice to use the character of loki for this was also really smart because considering how this even starts even before the loki show started with what happened in uh yeah it was an end game wasn't it mm -hmm. end game and infinity war sometimes blend together yes but, um <laughs> given how that kind of starts is the perfect choice for the character to use as well for this so very good stuff yeah mm, really good definitely worth going to check out Morning Show had its finale as well for season three. And yes. uh, I thought they'd done a really good job with that. It's sort of interesting where they've left the characters without sort of going into spoilers about the actual episode. But it does allow them the opportunity to not bring certain people back to sort of, you know, move cast around if they need to, to sort of lower some people's roles and up other people's roles, which I think is an interesting point because I believe behind the scenes, although it is uh, that they are exec producers on it, uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. I think on screen they were only actually contracted for three seasons. So there will be contract negotiations. As I say, they are exec producers on it as well. So I think there is a good chance that they will come back. But I would assume that the other cast are probably on three season contracts as well. And if that is the case, it means there's going to be a lot of contract negotiations, which means that given that where they've ended up, they can shuffle a few people around should they need to but overall again very very solid series john ham being introduced as essentially the villain for this season as well did a wonderful job i like the way they managed to sort of twist and turn that story it's been a really another really solid apple show from start to finish this pretty much i mean it's morphed a bit from it was very much about the sort of whole me too thing in the first couple of seasons and uh you know it's, it's more morphed into more about sort of billionaires and that being a bad thing and they are taking real world subject matter and creating interesting narratives around it yeah it got kind of bonkers near the end like all the different kind of negotiations and stuff that were going on I know it's a smaller part but like how we know Stephen Fry to be and obviously he's acting obviously in the show yes. but like seeing how he was acting in the show I was like wow I've never heard Stephen Fry speak like this before so that was um, very cool but um, is, it, is it renewed for a, a fourth season? it is renewed for a fourth season but as I say, although it is renewed, they have to, I think, renegotiate some of the cast contracts um, mm -hmm. because I remember that when we when they announced the renewal. So it is definitely coming back. There may just be some cast changes, but as I say, given where this plot ends at the end of that season, that also makes sense in the world of the morning show as well. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah. One thing it was quite how I liked how it handled was being a fictional world, but how it used like the real world situations that were going on like stuff with the abortion thing in the US and obviously it started with it is pretty much started with doing that didn't it with the Me Too thing yeah and then you had like stuff with the president and all kinds of other things going on 
and the way they kind of weave those things into the stories I thought was uh, used quite well so yes that was really good. there was there was a show called The Newsroom which was absolutely brilliant from Aaron Sorkin who did The West Wing and he did an incredible job with that sort of stuff of taking sort of you know because it's based in a newsroom taking real, real world events and working them sort of into the story and they, they did a wonderful job with that show and that sort of thing and, and the morning show is doing something similar here they've picked up some of that not quite to the same extent but working in the pandemic a bit more and the capital riots all that sort of stuff they've done a really good job with how they're handling that which makes sense because you know it is a show about a morning news show so you know really really good job great tv show another thing worth getting an apple subscription for <laughs> so yeah, yeah in terms of gaming city skylines 2 came out so i've been working through that it's interesting it's it's a bit in sort of the same way as starfield it's one of those games that will be good in a couple of years when it's got more stuff in it it had a rocky launch it really did because it's horribly optimized and i i think colossal order who make it hold their hands up to that they've said it's nowhere near as well optimized as we hoped it would be by the time we released it they have made some improvements and it is actually running okay on my rig which isn't a particularly high-end rig it seems a lot more stable with a couple of the patches they've put out there is the issue that there are nicer things in the base game than the city skylines one base game but at the moment there isn't official mod support although it is definitely definitely coming they've been very clear on that it's just not officially launched yet and it's a game that people got so used to modding. I mean, people will run City Skylines with literally 100 mods running on it. So I think there's a lot of people waiting for that stuff to come out because there are a few odd little quirks like you're putting down roads in it and it seemingly is impossible to put stop signs on say side roads without stop signs appearing on the main road as well there's little weird little things like that and you're like well that's an odd design choice why didn't you make that a bit more granular in terms of the amount of control that you had over it particularly as there were mods previously that showed you how to do that sort of traffic management really 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 well so there are little things that are sort of slightly niggly it's not particularly well balanced either i'm having a lot of fun with it i mean i've done i don't know 60 hours or so with it already i am enjoying it and it is still the premier city building game most definitely and I don't want to compare it to the first game because that's very unfair in that the first game had been out for like five years, had a million DLCs to it and had a lot of mods running on it. So it's not fair to make a completely direct comparison. Comparing the base game of City Skylines to the base game of this, I think this is certainly an improvement on that. It is just a case of it is something that will get better as it gets older because there will be more DLC, there will be more mods and if you don't want to jump on it onto it right now i entirely understand that but if you enjoy city building games wait for it in a sale wait for it when some of the dlc comes down and it calmed down a bit and then go out and get it because it is worth getting the base game is a lot of fun but it is one of those that will get better with age much like starfield you know so there was another bit of news that dropped, which was the GTA 6 trailer has officially been confirmed by Rockstar as coming in December. Note that is the trailer, not the actual game itself. So this, <laughs> this was an announcement for the trailer for the game, which shows you how ridiculously huge this thing is. I mean, we kind of, I think, know some of the stuff that is going to be in GTA 6 because of all the leaks. And as far as we're aware, it's in Vice City. There is a male and female lead for it whether they're working together or not is, is not 100% clear but it seems like they might be I'm looking forward to it I mean it's been what 10 years <laughs> something like that since the yeah, last one yeah. came out on the PS3 and 360 yeah they've milked enough out of that GTA 5 <laughs> you could say so yeah it sold like 195 million copies or something yeah I, it's a ridiculous amount of mm. copies that initial game sold so uh, I, there yeah, is a lot it, of excitement it, for it it's been so long that there was not a new GTA game on PS3 PS4 and Xbox One. Wow. Obviously, we had Red Dead 2, which was obviously massive, but it skipped the whole generation. As cool as this is, and we, it, we've had this 
in the background of like, yeah, we were pretty sure GTA 6 is on the way and we've heard little updates and stuff. So my guess is going to be this is going to be at the Game Awards because that's, um, I think, December 7th or something. That would make sense. I, th- I think it would have been very cool if Rockstar didn't say this. And then we get to the classic, you know, end of presentation thing and Jeff Keighley stands there and he would have been entitled to have the smuggest look on his face knowing I'm about to have the GTA 6 trailer at my, because he owns the Game Awards, doesn't he? Right. And he, said, he, he would have been able to stand there with like the most confident, smug face and that, knowing that like, I'm about to show this trait, this like most anticipated ever sort of trailer at the Game Awards. And then as soon as you would have seen the Rockstar logo, everybody would have lost their minds. I mean, it's still going to be the case, but yes. I think it would have made even more of a punch if Rockstar didn't say this. As cool as it is to know like, oh, the trailer's really, really close. You're talking like a couple of weeks, basically. Because I often reference like the three video game juggernauts, which is FIFA or the FC as it's called now. Yeah. Um, then you've got Call of Duty, which is not in a good place, but it's still incredibly profitable. And then you've got GTA. The only difference between those three is obviously COD and FIFA comes out every year and obviously Grand Theft Auto doesn't. But those are like the three big, big video game stuff. I know you've got things like Fortnite and all that, but I'm talking about games that sell a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, like in the in GTA's case, in the, in the hundreds of millions. So yeah, this will uh, make the internet die. Um, so <laughs> yes, get, get, this will get break ready. the internet. Yes. Yeah, get ready, Elon Musk, because uh, Twitter's about to be even worse. Yes, <laughs> just be GTA 6 all over the place, I, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, it, It's almost like, I don't know this, but my guess would be that you'd save that for like the big bang at the end of the Game Awards thing. Almost everybody else is going to forget like all the announcements before. I mean, if I was another games company, I'd be like, I'm not going to release anything on that day, you know? <laughs> yeah. or, or if you're anybody, I mean, it's Grand Theft Auto. Like, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I just, just know with the news on that day. I think you're probably right. It likely isn't going to be the Game Awards when they announce it, but we'll see when it drops. In terms of other TV shows, talking about Apple stuff, uh, For All Mankind came back as sort of taking over from the morning show, I guess, but uh, that's back mm-hmm. for its full season. Good, solid start for that. This has got to be Joel Kinnaman's last season on this show because his character's like 70, I think, at this point. <laughs> so, you know, because they, they jump forward a decade each season. So he's got to be in his 70s, I would have thought, at this point. And I mean, he's still floating around in space at the start of it. Uh, I, I kind of think that surely they can't keep him around much longer. I love the guy. He's a great actor, but it's getting to the point where you can't have a sort of 80, 90 year old still around in space. That doesn't really make any sense. So we'll see. But they've gone from moon landings to Mars landings. This is more about the kind of Mars and the buildup of the colony over there. Uh, they have introduced a few new cast members as they do every season. Very enjoyable. It's a really nice structure that they have to that show in that you know you have this turnover of cast as you go through because they move it forward 10 years each time I need to get caught up on that but there's a lot of it to watch yes there is there is there's, <laughs> and, I, and, there's... I meant, and I meant to get caught up last Christmas and that was a year ago <laughs> <laughs> yes you need to go back to it you definitely need to go back and watch more of that it's been really good one of the things that popped up on Netflix was the Robbie Williams documentary or docu-series, four episodes, I think, in total, which was sort of really quite interesting. It's by the same guy that did that Bross documentary that I think think they did for the BBC the way that they present it is with Robbie kind of going through on a laptop looking at various points in his life and sort of taking stock of things he has as is well known and well documented he's has a long history of issues with drug and alcohol abuse and it's him having to go back through that and he's also looking at you know his time and take that which you know lot of that rift thankfully is now here but just found it quite an interesting thing to watch through of somebody who's obviously i mean he'd been diagnosed with depression and he's obviously dealing with mental health issues on top of you know the addiction issues so just kind of heartfelt documentary series and uh, i mean obviously it depends whether you're a fan of robbie or not of what you're going to think of it but i thought it was well put together fairly open across the board with him talking about his life experiences and certainly if you're a fan of robbie or take that i think it it is something worth looking at and in terms of new shows culprits i started watching the first episode of that it's an interesting one because it's sort of pitched as this 
heist drama, except it sort of starts after the heist. So you're following the characters after the heist has been done and somebody, a sort of assassin, has come back and started targeting them. That was the pitch for it. It's Nathan Stewart Jarrod, you'll know from Misfits and various other things. He's sort of the lead role. Gemma Arterton plays the boss of the heist crew. Those are sort of two of the big characters that we meet in the first episode. Bits of it are their current life and bits of it are told in flashback. It is kind of interesting with Nathan's character because you meet him and he's in America and he's in a relationship and he's got kids and he's speaking with an American accent and you thought, oh, he's going to play him as an American. But then in the flashbacks, he's back to his normal British accent. So clearly at some point he is absconded to America after the heist and has taken on this American persona. It gives him a chance to play around with his accents, which is kind of interesting. But I've only watched the first episode so far. Really enjoyed it. I think it's very much a setup because you only start to see them beginning to form the heist in that. Because whilst it does say this is stuff after the heist, there is a lot of heist flashback stuff in there. So very enjoyable. I think it's all up on Disney Plus right now. So uh, you can go and check it out. But uh, it's called Culprits. Yeah, I'm going to get to that at some point. I was just catching up with like Loki and Morning Show. I've got three kind of box sets I'm going to get to next. One's the fourth season of Jack Ryan, final season of sex education and in this and there was another one as well apart from obviously catching up with the rest of Wrexham but uh, those are some of the things I'm going to try and catch up with soon yeah how many episodes did you say there were I think there's eight in that okay so it's not too long yeah it's funny how we used to have like 24 episode seasons every year and that was normal and then if you <laughs> have a poorly paced 10 episode season it's like oh that should have been eight episodes <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah quality over quantity isn't it yes absolutely it is there was another trailer that dropped last week as well which was Ghostbusters Frozen Empire which is the sequel to Ghostbusters Afterlife that's the title for it which uh, we hadn't had before and also we got a little trailer for it which was reasonably detailed for what they call the teaser trailer but it brings back the characters from Ghostbusters Afterlife so that's uh, Carrie Coon as Egon Spendler's daughter McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard as the grandkids Paul Rudd's character is back it also brings back the remaining original Ghostbusters so Bill Murray Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson they've also added in in undisclosed roles although you can see them in the trailer Pat Oswald Kamal Nadjirani Celeste O'Connor Logan Kim and uh, Annie Potts is back as well as Janine from the original movies as well trailer looks really good they're actually back in the new york firehouse so in the original Ghostbusters firehouse which was hinted at in the first film that that's where they were going to take place in the second one it's revolving around an ancient artifact that unleashes an evil force and covers the whole of new york in ice basically it looks really good i'm very much looking forward to going to see that it's written by jason reitman and gil kanan again although kanan is actually the person that is directing this time because reitman directed the first one so they've switched duties on that but they both wrote it together but I'm looking forward to this did you see Afterlife? I did and apparently I was in a minority consensus because I, I did not like that film at all mm. I thought that particularly if you put Carrie Coon who I know from uh, well many things but obviously uh, Leftovers and you waste her in the way that I remember them doing so I mean it was a couple of years ago <laughs> wasn't it um, yeah. there was a lot of choices and things in that film I did not like I haven't seen the trailer for this one so I'm, I'm not sure where, where I sit with this one because I remember watching the first two films I enjoyed the female reboot I know not a lot of people like that yes. one but that was one of my particular favourite ones I just thought it was a lot of fun from what I remember and yeah I just I didn't like the direction of this new one so I don't know maybe I'll enjoy some of the Ghostbusters games <laughs> well maybe yes. yeah yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, know, I know there's a new VR one or something right yes yes that's something I could definitely see working in VR yeah. um, the film is due out in March next year that's called Ghostbusters Frozen Empire. Yeah, kind of looking forward to seeing that because I did enjoy the uh, Afterlife movie. So yes, I think having the originals back and we'll, we'll see how it goes with that. Yeah, March next year for that. That's all the stuff we've been doing. Let's move on to some TV and film news. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. 
Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So we start off the TV and film news with the Renewals cancellations and pickups. One cancellation, which has been a while coming, but I think the writing was on the wall for a while. The Rookie Feds has been cancelled by ABC after one season. It was the third lowest rated scripted drama on ABC. The only things it was in front of was the final season of A Million Little Things and another scripted drama, which they'd already cancelled. So its numbers were weren't great. I think it did better on sort of catch-up, but it certainly its live numbers weren't particularly good. And in all honesty, it wasn't a particularly strong show, not compared to the original. I liked Nicey Nash as an actress. I just found her not great in the role in this. I don't know whether it's the writing, whether the, the I mean, the, the other characters were sort of interesting, just didn't quite gel properly for me. And I, I, I can't quite put my finger on exactly what didn't work. But that will not be coming back. They've also opted not to pick up The Good Lawyer, which was going to be a spin-off from The Good Doctor. They did it as a put pilot. That's when they stick a pilot into the episode run of the the main Mm -hmm. series. So there was an episode called The Good Lawyer of The Good Doctor, and that was in as a pilot. It apparently tested really well. They've just decided that they're not going to pick it up. It's one of those things that because of everything that went on with the strike, they're shuffling a lot of stuff around. And I think they've looked at some things and gone, well, we don't really need this. And the same with that pilot. They kind of went, well, we kind of liked it, but it's going to be a lot of work to try and bring it back at this point. And we don't really need it right now anyway. So we're just not going to pick it up. The other thing which has been cancelled and thrown into a large deep hole is a film called Coyote versus Acne, which was this movie, which I, I think was it was either fully animated or animated slash hybrid film. It's WB again, and they've canned the entire completed movie for an estimated 30 million tax write-off. The thing cost an estimated 72 million to make, apparently. It's directed by Dave Green, who did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. The studio is claiming a shift in strategy on uh, theatrical releases because this was originally made for the Mac streaming service. It did briefly have a theatrical release window and then they bumped it and now they're saying that they're moving more towards theatrical releases so that's why they've got rid of it which doesn't quite make any sense it did have some big names and it. it had will fort as wiley coyote's attorney and john cena playing the acne corporation ceo whilst have done basically what they did with the batgirl movie and thrown it into a hole never to be seen again everybody that worked on it was paid for it but it does mean that they won't get any residuals their work will not be seen which you know is quite important for animators and the composer and everybody else that worked on that film what's truly bizarre is the test screenings for it apparently were very positive and they had people interested in buying it even stranger was zaslov the ceo of wb was talking at the earnings call most recently saying we still haven't been able to crack the kids market particularly well we have a huge amount of kids content and we're going to attack that and then the next thing they throw into a deep hole is effectively a giant kids movie i mean it's another weird decision from wb there because it was a completed film yeah when this news came out a couple of days ago everybody lost their collective minds understandably and i saw lots of comments of like you can this to get 30 million and you could have easily got more than that on the big screen and there was a lot of people apparently very excited for this film mm-hmm. I'm not somebody who's like watched loads of Looney Tunes but I remember seeing a couple of the films and really like when Looney Tunes has been on the big screen I've, I've remembered enjoying it Yeah, obviously there's dozens of the cartoon episodes and stuff and there's all kinds of spin-offs and things like that but it seems like everybody's on the same page of like what are you doing Warner Brothers and it had this going for it and this going for it and this going for it apparently it was also was it produced or involved James Gunn in some way shape or form yes I believe believe he was an exec producer i think he may have come up with some of the story for it as well possibly 
But mm. it's a really, really odd decision. And I mean, if it was just a case of them selling it on, I'm sure they must have been able to get 30 million off somebody for selling it or there or thereabouts. I mean, in Hollywood terms, doesn't seem like a huge amount of money for a film that is like this. So I'm guessing what they're trying to avoid is the residuals and paying the back end stuff. But it's weird. It's a really, really odd thing to do. I don't understand their strategy at all. Makes no sense. And mm. uh, I mean, I'm sort of like you, you know, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of this. It's, it's not directly aimed at me, this sort of thing. It is very much a kid's film, but I don't get it. Mm. It's, it's still something that makes zero sense to me. Yeah, it's nice to still see a lot of popularity and stuff for Looney Tunes, because it's still one of Warner Brothers' big things. I know mm-hmm. when we think of Warner Brothers, we just think of DC and like Game of Thrones and stuff. But they do have a few properties that they could be making some good money from, and Looney Tunes is one of them. And it sounded like this was going to be the next big thing for it mm-hmm. so was there ever like a trailer or anything this no it wasn't or even a trailer not? for oh, it right. I, was, I, mean, I was wondering if i could look like something up but, but no. i mean it sounds like it was complete to the point that the composer was saying they'd done the music for it and it was animated and completed so it's not like oh well it wasn't going well it didn't test well it's just a really odd choice because as i said the test screenings supposedly were positive they had people interested in buying it and they went no and just decided to throw it away which somebody did make the interesting analogy of if it's illegal for the mob to burn down a restaurant for the insurance money surely this should be illegal for a production company to throw away a film just to get the tax write-off which is an interesting analogy there does need to be something put in place to stop them from doing this i don't know whether it's maybe the rights to that particular film revert back to the creators so they can do something with it whether there needs to be some sort of penalties in place for them whether they close the loophole so they're literally not allowed to do this i don't know what it is but it does seem utterly ridiculous that they can throw away a completed piece of creative work just to get a tax write-off on it it's bizarre that this is still allowed i don't know we'll see but yes there was a lot of outcry for that which i entirely understand it in terms of renewals there's only one this week that i spotted but uh, celebrity race across the world have been renewed for season two by the BBC so that reality series will be back in pickups and other news it was Netflix geeked week last week so there was a bunch of things that fell out from that Dead Boy Detectives, which was originally made for HBO Max when it was HBO Max and then became the Max streaming service, that's been sold to Netflix, which sort of makes sense because the characters first appeared in the Sandman. So they're billing it as part of the Sandman universe. And given that Netflix have the Sandman, I can sort of, that makes sense to sell. I mean, yes, it's WB selling something off again, but at least they've sold it to somebody. And it does make rather more sense to have it on Netflix as part of that universe. Dead Boy Detectives, I think, did show up in Doom Patrol, but it's a different cast from the Doom Patrol cast. And it's a standalone show. <laughs> um, and, you know, but I mean, that's fine because it is yeah. essentially disconnected. It actually sort of, again, makes more sense being on Netflix, given that it is a different cast as well. And it is produced by the same people that produced Doom Patrol. It's Belanti Productions and the writer of the flight attendant is the person behind it as well hmm. it looks kind of fun but there is a trailer up for it now so uh, so you can go and check that out so yesterday when I, I think it was yesterday or the day before when I saw all oh, this other DC thing been sold to Netflix I was like oh okay it's not entirely unusual but why not HBO Max but now that you've mentioned the Sandman part which I didn't know before that makes a lot more sense so uh, yeah. it's also good in terms of you know how many times we've said with lots of different franchises Walking Dead's a particular one of like as good as it is to have things on TV, which in Walking Dead's case is not the situation, try to have them at least in the same place, which is helpful. Uh, I mean, yeah. getting them on TV is, is the first part because you've got things like the AMC channel's got some Walking Dead shows and Disney Plus has got the main show and then Amazon's got a bit of fear and well beyond, but then nobody's got some of the other ones. So it's all kind of, it is much more helpful when you've got all of it in one place. So if you are one of them Sandman Universe fans and you see it on there and you kind of recognize it, then uh, that's really good. Yeah. And it does mean that they have the 
characters should they want to use them in the Sandman shows at some point later on, which they may do, because mm. the Sandman is coming back for a second season. So uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think that actually makes sense in that particular case. I think that is probably the right place for it. They also dropped trailers for the Scott Pilgrim anime series, which is actually up later this week. So that's coming out. Mass of the Universe Revolution, which is the follow-on from Revelation, which is the Kevin Smith Masters of the Universe animated thing. And there is a trailer for Exploding Kittens, which was the the most bizarre thing when they announced it, because it is based on the Exploding Kittens board game and has Tom Ellis and Lucy Liu voicing characters in it tom ellis voicing god cat in it it does look particularly funny it's from shane krasowski who's worked on things like archer matthew Immon, who worked on the oatmeal comics mike judge from king of the hill beavis and butthead and greg daniels from upload and parks and recreation so there's a really really good group of people behind it Tom Ellis playing God, interestingly, having played the devil previously. So that that's <laughs> good fun as well. But yes, there is a trailer for Exploding Kittens that has gone up as well. So uh, that looks like it's going to be good. There was a trailer for the live action Avatar The Last Airbender. So there's that gone up. And there was another clip for Three Body Problem, as well as they've said it's going to be moving from, they announced it was coming in January. That's been pushed back a bit to the 21st of March. That's based on a a huge Chinese novel, very beloved sci-fi thing. It is a completed novel series, which is important because it's from the Game of Thrones guys that when they go off book, have no idea what they're doing as shown by Game of Thrones season eight. So they are tackling this. Hopefully they do a better job with it than they don't get distracted by something shiny like they did with Game of Thrones. But that is now coming out 21st of March, they have said, for that. So is that where they landed after Star Wars? Yes. Or was there another pit stop before that? That was their first project post-Game of Thrones after they got kicked off the Star Wars project. Mm -hmm. It is a big, epic sci-fi thing, and they might do a reasonable job of it. The clips look interesting. And as I say, it is a completed story, so they have got something solid to work from. Whether they manage to pull it off, We'll have to wait and see. But 21st of March, that's coming. Back on the BBC, they've ordered another Death in Paradise spin-off called Return to Paradise. This one is going to have a female lead, and it's set in Australia, which is an interesting little shift. Ex-London Met Detective forced to move back to a small childhood hometown of Dolphin Cove, which is a beautiful coastal paradise, but somewhere she vowed never to return to after she left a guy at the altar six years ago. She doesn't like the people particularly. They don't particularly like her. Of course, a murder occurs in the town, and she ends up getting involved and that's your sort of into the story but uh, yeah I mean if you're a fan of Death in Paradise I'm sure this will be something that you love it's got some of the team of Death in Paradise behind it as well as I think the guy that's show running it I think is an ex-neighbours guy so you know I mean I'm sure half the script writers in Australia are ex-neighbours guys <laughs> there's that coming it's called Return to Paradise don't know when that's going to land yet and Reacher season 2 got a premiere date as well so uh, Friday the 15th of December that is going to land and uh, there is a trailer up for that as well the big news this week of course is that the actor strike is finally over they have reached what they're referring to as a tentative agreement between sag afra and the hollywood studios it's fair to say not everybody is 100% happy with this because it, it only passed the board by 86%. So not everybody voted for it, unlike the WGA deal, which got 100%, I think, when their board voted for it. It does still have to go to members for them to actually ratify it. I think they probably will. I think the actors have been out of work for long enough that they're likely to go through. There are a few little bits and pieces where there are loopholes which could be exploited and I think that's what's upset some people with this. But I think overall, they have got a very good, very solid deal. They're estimating it's worth about a billion dollars. Big wage increases across the board, big increases in health and pensioned retirement funds, new compensation model for the people working on streaming, which is one of the key things that they wanted to go after. Uh, it's slightly different to how the WGA one works, but again, that's a little bit fuzzy and that may be one of the areas where they're having uh, issues. 
but at least there is more money going in there and a substantial amount in a lot of cases. Improvements for hair and makeup equality, eliminating what they call inappropriate wigging, which is mainly to do with stunt people where they put wigs and dresses on stunt men so they can double for actresses and what they refer to as paint downs, which essentially is putting on blackface on white stunt performers so they can double for actors of colour, which really should not be happening in these days because entirely inappropriate. That has been outlawed. Sharing of diversity statistics, uh, general neutral language and that sort of stuff. Also provides more sexual harassment prevention protections, which of course is very important, including the use of intimacy coordinators in scenes involving nudity and simulated sex. Additional safeguards for background actors as well. There are now rules in place for castings in terms of scripts need to be supplied within 48 hours before submission deadline or 72 hours for minors. There is a limit to the amount of pages that they can be asked to provide for doing reads for casting. They're also entitled to compensation if they have to be off book. So if they have to memorize the script, then that requires compensation for the performers. There are protections over what performers have to wear for when they're doing reads as well. Substantial improvements in relocation allowances for performers. The AI thing, which of course is the other big thing, they have covered quite a lot of stuff with the AI and the sort of digi-double performer stuff in terms of making sure that the actors are given informed consent. So they are told exactly what their digital double is going to be used for. They're also compensated for that, whether living or deceased as well. So if the, the actor is deceased, then they have to get consent from the estate and also tell them exactly what it's used for. And that's whether it's something that was created specifically so i.e. the actor has gone in and had themselves scanned or if it's a case like General Tarkin in Rogue One where they created that obviously because the actor is now deceased they created that from footage doesn't matter that they haven't physically scanned the actor if they're using that person's likeness they still have to get consent for it as well there are a few loopholes around that and that's upset a few people but having read through them I think they have got an awful lot of protection in there I mean the Hollywood studios are going to Hollywood studio if they can find a loophole to jump through I'm sure they will use it but I think it's a lot tighter than some of the initial reports were making out it being you know some people were sort of stirring the pot trying to get the deal not signed but I actually think from the bits I've read it seems like it's reasonably tight there are always going to be issues with this and uh, I mean it's a three year deal we'll see where it lands in three years time and whether they have to go back and fight for a bunch more things but hopefully this at least allows them to make a living wage and we'll see where we go from here. Yeah, there's, there's some good stuff in here. Like you said, it, it feels sort of passable, but kind of, because there's things like 86% intensive agreement that I'm like, hmm, okay, I, I, don't, I don't like those sorts well, of Well, the reason it's referred to wording. as, te- the reason it's tentative agreement is because it's got to go to the members for them to vote on it. And and if they right. vote, yes, it, it will become an agreement. So that that's why it's tentative agreement. Mm. Yeah, Like I say, the 86% sounds like not the entire board unlike the wga the entire board didn't vote yes on it which is interesting right also a little bit like i know 2020 did you say 2026 that sounds far away but shows these days particularly take like over a year to make and that kind of stuff so we are soon going to be at that point so as good as some of this stuff is and there are some very good things in here i heard someone else i can't remember who it was i heard somebody else say this of like oh in a couple of years time are we going to be back in this scenario or revisiting this scenario we probably will at some point and this feels it feels sort of shaky and temporary but it's good for now and it's good to just kind of get this in place to get people working so there's some stuff that's good here but some stuff that's also kind of i don't know wait and see how it some of this stuff kind of plays out yeah that's always the problem when you're doing these sort of deals is they're never going to play out exactly how you envisage it they're going to play out and the problem with the technology side of stones particularly with the digital doubles and the ai stuff who knows where that is going to end up i mean it's very very difficult to predict mm. they have got some protections in place um, a lot more than they had previously there is some room for interpretation within that and it is also tricky trying to strike a balance between crippling the industry's ability to do its job 
and protecting the actors. And from reading through it, I can sort of see where they're going with that. It just, it depends how it plays out. And that's the difficulty. The problem is, if you got everything which was 100% absolutely watertight, it would make it very, very difficult for the studios to produce things if they're having to go for every little thing for approval for the actors. There's things like they're allowed to change certain movements or positions of uh, actor digitally so long as the content of what they're saying and doing isn't dramatically altered. So that may be a case of moving, one example will be you can move somebody from the front seat of a car to a back seat of a car maybe. Or if they're doing dialogue replacement and they change their lips moving. But on the flip side of that, they have covered things like if you take a background actor and digitally move their lips to make it look like they're talking, they then automatically get upgraded to a day player fee. So you can't hire a bunch of silent background actors not talking for a restaurant scene, go in digitally and make them all look like they're talking and only pay them the background actor fee, not the day player fee. Mm -hmm. So they have thought through a number of protections, but there are always going to be holes in this because they'll come up with things that you don't think of. So I don't know. I think they have done an awful lot. It's not perfect, but I think if you're holding out for an absolutely 100% perfect deal, I don't know whether you can get that right now. And that's just the reality of the situation. But I think they have done a very good job. The proof will be in where it goes from here, I think. Mm -hmm. A couple of other little news stories as well that dropped out. There is a new Spartacus series coming. Did you watch any of that original Spartacus shows? No, I obviously heard of it before in that, but uh, no, there was something I went towards. They were really good. I mean, they were very violent and very adult, let's say. (laughs) Um, I really, really like those original shows. I thought they were brilliant. They're now doing a new one which is called Spartacus House of Asher. Now, if you know the original series, you may be going, hang on, Asher was in the original show and didn't he die? Yes, he did. You're quite right. So what they're doing is it's sort of an alt history thing where it poses the question, what if Asher hadn't died on Mount Vesuvius at the end of Spartacus Vengeance? What if he'd been gifted the gladiator school once owned by Batius in return for aiding the Romans in killing Spartacus and putting an end to the slave rebellion? So it's sort of an alt history version of it, which is sort of an interesting way of moving things forward. It's got Nick Tarabay, who I most recently has been in Stargirl. He's back playing Asher as the uh, lead character. I'm sure there'll be other gladiators and uh, other casting announced in due course. It's being done for stars. We don't know where it'll land over here because as we talked a little bit about last week, Lionsgate Plus, which is where it would have landed here, is going to be shutting down next year. So it could get sold anywhere over here. I mean, I think Sky had some of the original ones, so it would sort of possibly make sense for Sky to pick this up. But I'm always happy to see more of this. Stephen S. D. Knight is the person behind it who is creator and writer of the original show. He went on and did Daredevil afterwards as well, which is another great thing to have on your CV. So uh, he's going to be showrunner and exact producer on the series as well. So same people behind it, at least one of the main same cast, and we'll see where it lands in the UK. But that looks like it could be quite good. And a couple of bits of Doctor Who news. Firstly, Children in Need, which I think is the end of this week. There is going to be a special scene with David Tennant as the 14th Doctor in Children in Need. So check that out when that's on. But there was a news about another Doctor, Paul McGann, might be getting his own series. Now, I put might in capital letters here because <laughs> I will bear in mind this is an article that was in the mirror, so I can't vouch for any of its accuracy. There was a source that said Russell likes the idea of bringing Paul McGann back in his own set of episodes in the TARDIS. Disney are on board as they want more original content and want to fully exploit the franchise as they know how big it could become. Paul McGann played the Eighth Doctor. He's only actually been on screen three times, which is why specifically this would be a good Doctor to actually do because he's never had his own series. So he was in the 1996 television movie. There was the Little Night of the Doctor short where he regenerated into John Hurt's War Doctor. And there was a cameo in Power of the Doctor, Joni Whittaker's final episode as well. 
However, he is the doctor that has been the doctor for the longest period of time because he was the doctor whilst it was off air and he kept the franchise alive through the audio dramas because he was the doctor from 96 to 2005 when Russell T. Davis brought it back with Chris Eccleston. So there's a lot of love for Paul McGann and his version of the doctor. It's a character he's been honing for a long time. And I think it gives you an interesting opportunity to explore an area of Doctor Who history, which they haven't massively covered on screen, which is the Time War or the lead up to the Time War, which has been mentioned as sort of this was this big war that wiped out the Time Lords of Gallifrey and the Daleks. So we saw some of that on screen in the 50th anniversary, and it's been covered a little bit in the comic books and in the audio dramas, but a lot of it is still a mystery. So this would be a really nice opportunity to do a series which has the Doctor as the main character, but he's a little bit darker as well. Almost like sort of Torchwood to Doctor Who, maybe not quite that dark, but it does give you an opportunity to have a slightly different tone to this. So yeah, I'd I'd be up for this. Uh, Paul McGann himself said he definitely would be well up for it. I mean, he said that at Comic Con panels and, you know, be well up for doing a series as that character. So We'll see. As I say, can't vouch for it being true or not, but I'd be interested in seeing this. Have you ever gone back through any of the sort of classic stuff or the, the TV movie? No, I've seen like clips and things, obviously, over the years of some of the really old stuff, even some that's older than what you're mentioning here. And it does look, you know, classic and cool and stuff. But for me, it was always started on the Christopher Eccleston stuff in yeah. uh, whenever that was and then just kind of went from there. So I, I'm not familiar with what all this is at all, but the idea of this sounds interesting. And given that you said we've kind of seen very little of him is uh, surprising to me. But if they want to redeem that, I suppose, then uh, that sounds like quite a good idea. But uh, yeah, it's interesting that this, like you said, this is this idea has come across now that Disney's gotten involved a bit more. Well, but, yeah. Um, hopefully it'll be a good thing. Russell himself liked having spinoffs. I mean, he created Torchwood. He created the Sarah Jane Adventures. We know he loves the classic Doctors. I mean, there's the uh-huh. Tales from the TARDIS thing, which are only little sort of five minute intros into sort of some classic stories on iPlayer, but that brought back a lot of the original Doctors as well. So I think it could be quite an interesting thing. And and Paul really deserves his own series. Whether this is true or not, it does sound believable because Disney's modus operandi is spin-off, spin-off, spin-offs. And Russell T. Davies has also made noises about wanting to build out Doctor Who as a franchise. And this would be an interesting area to explore so Mm. don't know we'll see whether it happens or not but hopefully it does but i will be very interested to see this if it happens no official word like i say it was an article in the mirror so who knows but i think it's a really nice idea there seemed to be a very positive reaction to it when the news came out so i think a lot of people would like to see that happen so that's all the news we've got for this week just some highlights for next week on tv So, highlights for next week. We have The Lazarus Project returning for its second season. I have seen the opening episode of this. It's really good. Pretty much picks up where it left off. 15th of November at 9pm on Sky Max for that. You've got The Crown returning for part one of its final season. That's on the 16th of November. Scott Pilgrim, the anime. That is uh, Scott Pilgrim with all the voice cast from the Scott Pilgrim versus the World film. That's coming on the 17th of November. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, which is the uh, legendary Monsterverse Godzilla series that is coming to Apple TV Plus on the 17th of November. Scrublands, which is an Australian crime drama that lands on BBC4 on the 18th of November at 9pm. And Kin, which is an Irish crime drama, stars Charlie Cox, Claire Dunn and Aidan Gillian that lands on BBC1 on the 18th of November at 9.35. So uh, some good TV. TV coming next week. If people want to find more of you, where can they find you? You can head over to entertainmenttalk.org and your podcast platforms for TV, games, films, main eye podcasts. It's a little bit ill in the last couple of days, so I missed doing a couple of episodes. I'm hoping to see one of, if not both of the Marvels and Five Nights at Freddy's this week. So uh, look out, hopefully, for those. A gaming talk podcast to do as well. There's going to be some interesting stuff to talk about with Call of Duty. Goodness me, what a mess that situation is. <laughs> so that's going to be interesting. Uh, I did do two 
uh, TV season reviews this week. One was for Invasion Season 2 and one was for Still Up. They're both uh, Apple TV Plus shows. So yeah, I've got some other stuff coming as well. You can follow me on, everybody calls it Twitter, at uh, eTalkUK. If you want to, uh, like, everybody does, don't they? Yeah. Uh, Twitter at eTalkUK if you want to say hello or follow or any of that kind of stuff. That's me. Oh, also, uh, very interesting to hear Gray mentioning the Beckham documentary last week. That was uh, a nice surprise. So, yes. Because I never thought I'd hear him say that. So. Yes, anything to do with football. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, for other people involved in the show, you can, of course, find Bex over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes. That's B-Y-T-E-S. She is doing lots of streaming every week and uh, she's raising money for the Samaritans right now, which is a great charity. So uh, go and check her out and uh, go and watch her streams over on twitch.tv forward slash Trista Bytes. For Daryl, you can find more of his stuff on hollywoodnorthnews.net for all those TV series you love, which are shot in Canada. For us, you can visit the website at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information. If you want to get in touch with your questions or comments, email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk. Leave a message on the website post. Find us at Geektown on Twitter, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown, on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash geektown, on Blue Sky at geektown, on Instagram at geektown UK, TikTok at geektown UK, and threads at geektown UK. That is everything. We shall see you next week. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.